I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. We're in the heart of bustling Soho at the moment as we're about to meet up with the alternative vet Lise Hansen to talk about titer testing and why this is such an important part of modern integrated veterinary medicine. Hi Lise, welcome again to A Dog's Life. You're a holistic vet and a conventional vet in one, so you're kind of doubly qualified, practicing both in Denmark and in London. Yes, yes, absolutely. And today our subject is going to be vaccines and a very useful test called the titer test. Yes, absolutely. Everybody who cares for a dog should know about titer testing because every dog needs a titer test. Um, it is an amazing tool that's become available to us and has completely changed the way we, we look after our dogs and vaccinate our dogs. I'm loving this. Um, I've been aware of titer testing since 2008 uh, when my first miniature bull terrier Molly was uh, given a titer test as I was very reticent about giving her annual boosters. Uh, now back then it was quite a costly affair and the blood test had to be sent off to Edinburgh to be analysed and it, it did cost quite a lot of money yet her results that came back proved that she didn't need a booster. Now explain to those people listening that aren't sure what a titer test is, explain what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean when we, when we vaccinate a dog, or when, we, when anybody receives a vaccine, doesn't matter if you're a dog or a cat or a human, um, we give them, simply put, a little bit of disease so that their immune system meets that disease and gets a chance to learn what that disease looks like and to produce antibodies against it and memorize how to make those antibodies, just as importantly, so that if they ever meet that disease again in real life, they're prepared and they either won't get sick at all or they will not get as sick as they otherwise would have. Um, and historically, we I mean, when I qualified as a vet many, many years ago, we used to give every dog and every cat every vaccine available every year from a sort of assumption that, well, it can't hurt, um, which is generally what we believed. Um, and I think the main reason we just gave them so many vaccines that we now know are completely unnecessary um, is that there were no one looking into the actual need, uh, how much is needed to, you know, how often do we need to repeat a vaccine to give protection. Um, the only people who gave gave us any kind of indication were the people who happened to be producing the vaccines and selling the vaccines. So there was no independent advice advice available at all. But Dr. Ron Schultz, who is uh, yeah. a very famous uh, American uh, scientist and uh, vaccine expert, uh, I think he first of all brought out the concept of a titer test. Even then, he was in America saying that, I think, well, saying that we were over-vaccinating. I think he was one of the very early people saying that, even, you know, 30 years ago, probably. So what is a titer test? A titer test is um, a way, you take a blood test, just need a, a literally a drop of blood, um, and you can 
you can identify those antibodies that I was just talking about. So you can, you can look, you can see, is this dog protected against this disease? Does this dog right now in his or her blood have antibodies against that disease? Um, and for a while, decades ago, there was a discussion in the veterinary immunity about, well, does, you know, if we find antibodies, does that necessarily mean that animal is protected? And does, the, does it matter how many antibodies that are, there are? But that has all been settled now. And there is, uh, for certain diseases, not for all diseases, but for certain diseases, um, you know, the, the, the top leading uh, veterinary immunologists are very, very clearly saying that this is a revolutionary new tool that we must use and that there is, for, for certain diseases that we're going to talk about, um, absolute correlation between antibodies present and protection. So is this all now supported by the World Small Animal Veterinary yes. Association? Yes. They're a bit like the, I always liken them a bit to like the AA, who, you know, recommends that drivers don't drink and drive, <laughs> you know, but yet, sadly, some people still do do that. Um, so the World Small Animal Veterinary Association makes recommendations like that, but in this case, it's about vaccines. So they're recommending to vets worldwide to not annually booster, but in lieu of that, to take a sample of blood and perform a a test to look at the seriological immunity of the three core diseases. However, it's up to each individual general practitioner vet, isn't it, Lise? Well, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't have, have put it better. And there is, there is a, sometimes there seems to not be a complete correlation between what we know. I mean, let me put it another way. This is an incredibly exciting time to be involved with, with dogs and and animal health in general is an incredibly exciting time to be a vet and an exciting time to be a dog owner or someone who cares for a dog because there's so much new information coming out and this is one area where you know maybe 15 years ago but certainly 20 25 years ago we were all excused we didn't know any better but in recent years in the last well not that recent, last 10-15 years a lot of very well documented scientific papers have been published showing us that, that tighter testing is the way to go forward. So it's a big change. A big change and people are reticent to change aren't they? I mean you know we're talking change here at many levels. It's not only for the owner and, and the dog but there's change here in practice in terms of uh, habits, re-educating customers, explaining well yes for years ago I did recommend that your dog had a booster jab but now evidence is saying that your dog is actually going to be better off not having a booster jab so there's a lot going on but also even higher than that you know there are the pharmaceutical companies that make these vaccines yeah. and it's now, really important to, to sorry it's really important just to be aware of of where you're getting your advice from because this there's, there's there's the pharmaceutical industry with one agenda obviously and but but we we have at our disposal now like you say the world small animal veterinary association with their guidelines which is absolutely where the science is at at the moment and but how surely do the pharmaceuticals feel about tighter testing they must be a bit annoyed right well i i don't want i don't know but uh, but <laughs> but i think i can imagine <laughs> if i need a vaccine for my living well, and yes. then um you know uh, a wonderful man called ron schultz developed the first in-house tighter test um i should imagine perhaps um, that uh, you know, I'd be a little bit uh, disappointed that vets 
might yeah. not be routinely ordering my particular vaccines and ordering uh, a test kit yeah. instead. Um, and now that we've been using those test, test kits for, for quite a while, it's becoming very, very clear that we do not need to vaccinate the way we used to. So it's certainly a fact that the way vaccines were, were used before, where you were vaccinating um, dogs first every year, and then some vets went to every other year, every third year, every fourth year, they're all completely random numbers. What we know now is that when a puppy is fully vaccinated, most of those puppies against the core diseases that all puppies should be protected against, which are parvovirus, distemper and hepatitis. Yes. When that four month old puppy is completely has gone through the puppy vaccines and is protected against those diseases, in most cases, they will never need another shot. Most cases, that dog will be protected for life just from the puppy vaccines. Yes, so it's so interesting. I mean, that's what uh, Molly's tied to test way back in 2008, you know, proved, because I was uh, a bit uh, reticent about uh, mm. giving annual boosters. So, you know, in the end, I'm, I'm offered this expensive blood test, which came back with her levels all totally high for the three core diseases, and there was no need to give her a booster. Now, she was six at this time and she hadn't had any boosters after her initial puppy shots so at that point the duration of immunity which has been this long contested issue right doi uh simply was proved that actually well certainly in her case mm. her, her doi was really high six years after her puppy shots which basically blew out any theories that the vaccines ran out annually yeah. or even three yearly uh so it it was a landmark title test which i had no idea it was going to be so landmark at the time and um well it was cutting edge at the time wasn't it well yes and, and today it, it really it was only because i screamed and shouted to be honest with you mm. saying i don't want her to have a booster mm. jab mm. you know I'm not a fan of vaccines myself this is the contentious issue here that dogs have been given vaccines so much on a regular basis and we have to look at things like you know I mean, I'm amazed with this uh, what I'm about to say Elise and please correct me if I'm wrong you see little Mr Binks over here he's an English toy terrier and he weighs just under five kilos now, am I right in saying that Mr. Binks would take the same shot of booster as a Great Dane yeah. that might weigh 50 kilos? Yes, yes. Now, how on earth, how on earth in a world where we all know people come in small, medium and large, how can that be? Well, it is currently believed that the amount of, of disease agent that it takes to cause disease is not related to weight um in a sense in these coronavirus days you know if, if if you're a small child you're not more you don't need i'm saying this in a silly way but you know a large man doesn't need to be sneezed at more than a small child to get infected it's not believed to be weight related um but it but you're absolutely right a tiny tiny chihuahua puppy gets the same vaccine that you give to a a 200 pound um, mastiff and that's just that's just how it is and and it is certainly said that small dogs develop more side effects now lovely let's talk about some side effects here um what are common side effects uh, produced by vaccines that oftentimes can be uh associated with other things uh, like diet or over exercise or allergic reactions so that in often cases you know it's never the vaccine um, that caused the issue right 
Well, it's, it's always difficult to be sure of cause and effect, certainly in an individual case. It's, it, does, it happens fairly frequently that you have um, a very immediate uh, anaphylactic reaction to a vaccine. Um, they're rarely very dangerous, but every vet will see this from time to time. You give a, a dog a vaccine, uh, you say goodbye, and you get a phone call half an hour later that, you know, it, maybe it's just some puffiness, some swelling, red eyes, difficult breathing, and you ask them to come straight back. Um, that happens not rarely every vet will probably see that every year um, and it's certainly the reason why you shouldn't get your animal vaccinated and then just drop them off at home and go to work you should be around for the first few hours to make sure that they tolerated that jab but in a sense and and the WSAVA guidelines that I would urge anyone to I mean every vet should really have read them multiple times but even dog owners who are keen to be informed um, should read the guidelines, and I discussed these guidelines at length in my book as well, um, but the guidelines stress that these acute reactions are generally the only ones that we recognize, you know, where the owner and the vet is completely sure that this was the vaccine sure. reaction. But um, what about other reactions? Exactly, I mean, and those example, are the frightening ones. These are the final. I mean, for example, with, with Molly, it's quite a tragic story, my first miniature bull terrier. Uh, it's a very long story, I won't go into too much detail, um, but she unfortunately took uh, a booster jab given erroneously as the vet in question did not um, read or mm. um, understand her tighter test results from um, a few years earlier. Uh, unfortunately, she took a booster jab the day after she'd had her second rabies shot for the pet passport scheme. So she was eight and a half at the time. Uh, two weeks after this injection, she was diagnosed with suspected bladder cancer mm -hmm. after strange things were, you know, happening uh, uh, on her rear end, shall we say, not very nice things. Um, and of course, it couldn't have been caused by the vaccines, although she was already eight and a half, nothing else had changed. Her exercise, her diet, where she lived, where she'd been, the people she'd met, the dogs she'd met, the cars she'd travelled in, everything else had remained completely the same. The only thing that had been different was the fact she'd had a blast of vaccinations. Mm. Yet it couldn't have been the vaccines. The vaccines were perfectly safe, totally safe, wouldn't harm your dog. So tell, talk well, about that. And of course it could have been the vaccine, but it is impossible. There is no one test in that situation that you can do to prove that it was the vaccine, even though it sounds highly suspicious. Mm. And the WSAVA guidelines that we've been talking about discuss this at length, that the immediate anaphylactic reactions are clear and you have no doubt about cause and effect, but they're not really the scary ones. The scary ones are the the epileptic seizures, the allergies, the, you know, all the other diseases that may be caused directly from a vaccine, the cancers as well. Um, but they may happen, to quote the guidelines, weeks, months or years after that injection that was the direct cause of them. And in each individual case, you it's almost impossible to prove cause and effect. Cats do in fact get a very malignant tumour um, in the back of their neck exactly where you where you inject them. And that was what, when that was discovered in the 90s, that was one of the things that really alerted the whole veterinary community to the fact that, hang on, we need to be careful about vaccines. They can have really deadly side effects. Mm. But in most cases, 
it's hard to demonstrate for sure in each individual case. Sure. But it's certainly well established. And I don't think anyone is arguing the fact that all these things can be caused by vaccines. You know, vaccines, it's always a trade-off between the, the specific protection against a disease that you get from the vaccine and the general cost to, you know, it's a burden to the immune system it's, to, to it's receive that vaccine. It's an environmental stressor, I guess. It is, it is. So you have to look at each individual case and say, what serves this animal best at this time? Does it really need this vaccine? Or is the risk, you know, is, is the risk of the disease bigger than the risk of the vaccine. And, and the WSAVA guidelines state very clearly that the point of having those guidelines in the first place is to minimize the use of vaccines in dogs because each vaccine carries a risk and it must be taken seriously. So this titer test is yes. such a valuable it's tool. It's a fantastic then. tool as a vet to, to be given to us. And I really think, I mean, I cannot stress this enough that any dog that is at least four months old and has never had a titer test needs one. Now, why do you say four months old? Because that's quite interesting. Yes, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to say about the timing of the puppy vaccines. Yes. Uh, because to a certain extent, um, the puppies get passive protection through the colostrum uh, from their mother, which interferes with their early vaccines. Um, and, it's, and which, it's sort of been established that when the puppy is 16 weeks old, so four months old, in most cases, the vast majority of cases, the mother's antibodies will have worn off, so to speak. Uh, so that's when you can actually rely on, if that puppy at that point has antibodies, it will be the puppy's own antibodies that you're measuring and not the mother's antibodies. So it will be true protection. So might it be um, an interesting discussion at some point to alter the times when puppies are um, immunised so that rather than doing eight weeks and 12 weeks, we're looking more at doing 14 weeks and 16 weeks or 16 weeks and 18 weeks. It's a, it's really, it's a really interesting topic. And I don't think there is a one size fits all solution because it depends did the puppy have colostrum? You know, if you have a puppy that, if the mother died during a cesarean and, and colostrum was never given, then you can vaccinate that puppy may, maybe even before eight weeks because it won't have any maternal antibodies. Right. Um, all we know, we know that there's the age when the maternal antibodies disappear and that puppy is ready for vaccination varies by at least two months. So on one hand, we'd like to be able to just give one vaccine to a puppy. And if that's what we're doing, we have that puppy has to be at least four months old. But on the other hand, some puppies will be unprotected from eight weeks. So we also don't really want to have mm. an unprotected puppy if it's going out in an environment where, for instance, parvovirus is around. Sure. Um, and, and of course, legislation. I know, for example, um, through the Assured Kennel Club Breeders Scheme, um, Assured Kennel Club Breeders, you know, do vaccinate at eight weeks to offer this protection certainly for prudence my uh, miniature bull terrier who is bred in germany it is legislation there that breeders must inoculate at eight weeks and and, and one step that we we i think will will take in the future is to tie to test instead because we can even tie to test the, the puppies of course uh, a puppy only ever responds to one vaccine which is the first one given after its mother's antibodies um, are not there anymore well interestingly so i brought prudence in of course under the pet passport scheme um, 
and um, I did have her titer tested at uh, 16 weeks when her maternal antibodies should have worn off. She'd had her shot at eight weeks um, in Germany and lo and behold all her levels were sufficiently high so Prudence has only actually had one puppy shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is great yeah. because segueing now perhaps into uh, non-core vaccines being of course uh, rabies um, in some places it in, depends where you are exactly this is a massive regional discussion yes we're very lucky in the UK because we're an island and we've maintained our rabies free status despite <laughs> quite a, a, a lot of hoo-ha in recent years with the relaxation of the pet passport scheme which has sadly uh, enabled puppies with counterfeit paperwork to come in from mainland Europe as young, diseased, sick, not, not happy little people into yeah. the UK to be sold through unscrupulous means of uh, puppy farm networks in the UK and sold online which we hope actually very soon will also be banned in the UK as a new law called yeah. Lucy's Law yes, comes into effect um, in, within the next four weeks, which is very exciting mm. news and should or really impact on the sale of uh, third party sales. These are third party sales where you don't see the puppy with its yeah. mother. Um, and, and nobody should, let's just say, nobody should, I can just two general points about puppies. Nobody should ever buy a puppy without meeting the mother. Exactly. I mean, all puppies are cute, uh, but you really need to look at the mother because that's what you're buying. So, you know, speak to the mother, talk to the mother, get to know the mother rather yeah. than the puppy. And I mean, if you can't see the, the dad mother, as well, so much you, the better. Absolutely. <laughs> but if you can't spend time with the mother, don't buy the puppy. That's just that's just the first step, really, uh, that anyone should be aware of. I know. And, and can I just say one other thing about puppies and vaccines is that whether or not your puppy has been vaccinated yet, whether or not you believe your puppy to be protected yet, overriding that is the general theme of you know, puppies must be socialized. Puppies, I would say never isolate a puppy. Um, the risk of catching a contagious disease in most places is tiny, tiny, tiny compared to the risk of developing behavioral problems because of poor socialization. Absolutely. And it's just so unfortunate that we talk about these, you know, the 16 week mark in terms of both topics that puppies cannot be isolated until they're fully protected by vaccines they need to get out and get to know the world before they're 16 weeks old and isolating a puppy is never the right thing to do no and bearing in mind that most puppies have their maternal antibodies absolutely there is absolutely no harm in walking on the pavement no. getting your heel work training in as early as you can the absolutely. earlier you can do it the better it will be yeah. and fear but of disease must never stop that no, no. Now, let's just talk a bit. So to get clear, we, we've worked out what the core vaccines are. So they are distemper, parvo and hepatitis. Yes. Now, um, let's touch on rabies. Um, as, as we mentioned, the UK is rabies free and hopefully will become stronger in terms of rabies free now third party sales of puppies have been banned um i'm hoping also that one of the only good things well perhaps the only good thing oh, about brexit, brexit we don't know what the rules are going to be know, about rabies but it's, do it's likely that um that the passport rules will go back to what they were in 2012 before they became relaxed to uh evolve and be the same as mainland europe's rules which will uh prevent or uh, dramatically reduce any possibilities of puppies being smuggled in underage and without the right uh, paperwork, potentially without a rabies shot. Um, and it also 
going back to the old rules means that in in essence your puppy is vaccinated for rabies but before you're able to come back into the UK there is a six month window which actually is just the quarantine period for um, the rabies to either emerge <laughs> and hopefully it won't but there's always a risk of course that by giving an animal a slight amount of an actual disease that it will actually get it there have been cases which is why of course at least the rabies vaccine is a passive vaccine now can we just talk a little bit more about rabies the passive vaccine and the implication for dog's health well, I think rabies is a difficult one to talk about in general terms because it varies so much. If you live in America, there are states where you need to have uh, a rabies vaccine depending on the, sure. the legislation in the state sure. where you but, live on a regular basis. But mainly thinking in here Europe, the UK and in Europe, Europe yeah. and in the UK, rabies vaccines are generally given not so much to protect animals against rabies because that is a tiny 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 risk it is it is part of a bigger eradication program trying to eliminate rabies to protect humans because lots of humans particularly children in, in third world countries die every year from rabies so it's 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 mostly about red tape that whenever an animal crosses the border it needs to have a rabies shot sure. but and my advice is always leave your animals at home okay because then they don't need it right so but by saying that you know are you saying that the rabies um, vaccine is particularly strong, is particularly uh, prevalent to side effects, that kind of thing. Yes, I mean, we, we it's like we were saying before, it's, it's always difficult to be completely sure about the incidence of, of side effects. We know that they are crazily underreported, but we are, it is also certainly say, said that small dogs get more side effects, more side effects happen from killed vaccines, and the ones in common use are rabies and leptospirosis. Can we just quickly, I know we're running out of time mm -hmm. here, Lise, go into leptospirosis very quickly. What do you think of the vaccine? Why can't you try to test for it? And um, how reliable is this vaccine? It's, I mean, those are the main non-core vaccines, aren't they, that, that are in general use, are leptospirosis and kennel cough. Um, and they are non-core, and I think it's so important to say this because I come across a lot of dog owners and some veterinary colleagues as well who sort of have the impression that the core vaccines are the basic package. Mm. And if you want to really, you know, go for the luxury deal, you get the non-core as well. And nothing could be further from the truth. The I would really just like to refer to the experts who say that the non-core vaccines are deemed non-core vaccines because they are to be avoided unless there is a particular reason why this particular dog has a high-risk lifestyle that, that means that it would benefit from that vac vaccine. Sure. And of course, we know from um, viruses like the flu jab, you know, we, we humans can have the flu jab but it doesn't guarantee that you're not going to no. get the flu so yeah. is that the and same leptospirosis as is it, yes it is a, a, a comparable situation because there are so many different forms of leptospirosis and only a few of them are present in the vaccine so it gives a limited protection for a limited amount of time so if you do have a dog that either because of where it lives or because of the lifestyle that it leads needs that vaccine you need to repeat it every year but as the, as the guidelines state, it's a non-core vaccine, so on first principles, assume that you don't need it uh, unless you're, you have a dog with a particularly high-risk lifestyle. And the same with kennel cough. People worry so much, I think particularly first-time dog owners, when their, their dog gets a bit of a cold, which is what kennel cough is. There is a cough. Exactly. It's kennel rasping. cough is a cold. Yes. It's, a, it's, a, it's a case of 
sore throat, tonsillitis. Yes. Uh, and as we all know, you, there is no good vaccine against a cold. And I've heard at least two um, of the vaccine experts of, from the, the WSAVA saying that kennel cough vaccine doesn't work. You can't vaccinate against the common cold, nor do you need to. So, you know, owners could not only save themselves money, bother, but also save the environmental stressor of that vaccine on their dog. Absolutely. If it doesn't give protection, then it's not worth the risk giving it which is why it's defined as a as a non-core vaccine and um all this is covered in your book right so um basically i'm urging everyone to pick up a copy of the complete book of cat and dog health by the amazing vet lise hansen um we've got to wrap up here i know we can talk more and more about it's all in the book (laughs) it's all in the book um thank you again lise and i hope to be talking to you again soon thank you very much for having me Binks, that's our show. What did you think? I thought you'd like the idea of tighter testing. I'm all for it. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe. A Dog's Life is streaming on all platforms. Thanks also to Mike Hansen, my producer at Pod People UK, and to Lise Hansen, who is at The Alternative Vet. And for me, follow me at Anna Webb Dogs. And thank you to our sponsors, Earth Animal, at Earth Animal 1979. What's that, Mr. Binks? Oh, yes, you're right. We are back next Sunday. That's because The Dog's Life is now weekly. So go on, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Thank you to Earth Animal No Hide Choose. Order yours now at earthanimal.com forward slash UK.